Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, my next guest uh, might have met the man singing that song. We'll uh, have a little check in a second. But uh, the Eddie Jones number two era for Australian rugby has uh, already been as colourful uh, colourful as you might expect but uh, largely unsuccessful splashy green and gold announcement that disrupted the rugby league uh, dominated back pages for a few days before a blue against the Springboks to begin and a failure uh, when faced with a red hot Argentinian side at home so what about the All Blacks this weekend well the first Bledisloe test is at the MCG has been circled and bold since the first camp under Eddie as a test to make a statement of intent and prove their lofty World Cup ambitions are more than just a pot of gold at the end of Eddie's rainbow. So will it be? Andrew Slack is a Wallabies legend. Uh, 39 caps, captained his country on 19 occasions, has won uh, a Grand Slam in the UK. Damned hard to do. He's also won the Bledisloe Cup. He's also one of six men to have ever captained their country to win a test series on New Zealand soil. Andrew Slack knows how to get the job done, and he's with us this morning. Andrew Slack, good morning to you. Good day, mate. Could have played the whole song. I like that song. <laughs> yeah, hey, you'd have met him, wouldn't you? <laughs> just about, yeah. Might have just one day. And Lord. <laughs> At Lords, I was going to say, I, I seem to recall um, you being there with one uh, Mark Nicholas, and uh, of course Mick was a big cricket fan as well. Yeah, yeah there was the president, I was. Yep. Yeah. Fantastic, absolutely fantastic. Okay, mate, let's uh, get into this uh, test match this weekend. Eighty thousand at the MCG. Um, so that proves to me there's uh, still quite a lot of faith in this Australian rugby team, even in Melbourne. A lot of Kiwis there. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot. Um, look, I'm not. I'm not. There's not a lot of faith. I guess there's some loyalty happening, um, and I think a decent performance on on Saturday will be really helpful. It'll be difficult for rugby and the Wallabies if they put in a poor performance because you know we've had a few of them and people are getting a little bit impatient. And as you know, there are so many options on the sporting front here. So, so it's important that we put in a good performance. I don't think. Many people outside the squad themselves think they'll win, but probably the same this time last year. It was only a you know, strange refereeing decision late in the game, which cost us. So who knows? Absolutely. Uh, so it's a possibility. Yeah, um, we we'll all remember Mr. Monsieur Reynal last uh, last year. So hey. Uh just looking at rugby in general, though, um, Andrew, in, in term, is this a reflection, this performance, is this a reflection of Australian rugby? I um, mean, if we look back at super rugby as well, um, overall? Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely think it is. Um, yeah, it, it's, look, I wouldn't say it's quite on the nose here. And, and in fact, from my perspective, I, I think the rugby this year uh, has been a lot better than in recent years. I think the, the referees have... have got it a bit more, they've, they've not interrupted as much as perhaps they have, but we're very critical, the Australian sort of general sporting public, about 
about uh, lots of things, but particularly the rugby. And, you know, if, it, if it's getting boring for 15 minutes, they're going to switch it off. But, uh, look, I think we saw enough uh, during the Super 50, or something, whatever it's called, Super Rugby nowadays, that we've got some talent. We haven't got anywhere near the depth of New Zealand talent, and the consistency of good games when two New Zealand teams play is far higher than when two Australian teams play. That's still the case. Um, so, generally, we, we've got a bit of leeway to make up. It's an important few months, obviously, the, the two Bledisloe games in terms of playing well, having good rugby, having some success, and then moving on to the World Cup where, hopefully, you know, World Cups get everybody in. And so, once we're in on that, and if Australia performs well and the rugby's good, uh, we'll be back on the front foot, I hope. Australia seem at this stage to be struggling to find a permanent pivot, a permanent uh, number 10 playmaker, a general as such. Is that how you see it? And who would be yours? Carter Gordon, for sure. Um, but what you said is absolutely right. And we'd take, we'd take your three tomorrow. You know, look, Barrett, look, Moanga, um, and who's the other one? There's one more. Mackenzie, um, Mackenzie. Yeah. Mackenzie, yeah. Yeah, and probably a few more. But look, I think Carter Gordon um, has shown a lot this year in, in Super Rugby. I love the way he plays. He's a big kid. He's got a big boot. He's gutsy, tackles well, and he's straightened up. He runs straighter this year, and everybody's you know, in the Rebels playing with him benefited off that. So I, I'd pick Carter. I think he's ready for it. He's shown in a couple of um, cameos. Now, you know, you've got to start the game and play a few to... to to get the proper tick, but he looks the goods to me. Um, I think Quaid, I don't think he's run his race necessarily, but defensively, I think he's a liability. He, he, he doesn't like ticker, but his technique's poor, and it's amazing to me that after a dozen years in, in international rugby, he's still so upright. So I, don't, I wouldn't be picking Quaid. I'd have Carter there. I'd have Tate McDermott because he's a threat. Um, as an attacker, he can around the base of the scrum. They say he's got a couple of flaws. I just like the way he plays. There's not a player out there who won't have some flaws. Uh, so, so I think Australian, some would call it an experiment. Uh, I think the sensible way to go would be McDermott and Gordon and stick with them. The, the problem with some of the selections in, I think, rugby generally nowadays, certainly within the Wallabies, is you get a week or two, then you give someone else a go and someone else a go on. I don't know what that does to Blake's confidence. They all say the right thing, but I, I just like to pick and stick. Looks like uh, the pack will be without um, the dependable and brilliant, actually, uh, Michael Hooper. So I'm just wondering, uh, do they have a pack? I mean, the All Blacks have started at 100 miles an hour in both of these test matches this year, and that's why they've actually won it. Uh, do Australia have the pack in them to match them, particularly early? Oh, well, I think they have. Um, I... I They've got Tupou coming back. You've got Angus Bell coming back. There's obviously question marks on on, on long-term injuries with both of those. Um, I think we've got a couple of hookers who are more steady than we've had in recent times. Pareki and Faisal have been around. Um, the super uh, comp, and I, I think they're up to it. Uh, the back row will probably tell the tale. Um, as you say, the All Blacks came out 100 miles an hour We've tended to come out about 25, you know, so we've got 75 to catch up. Um, so I think, I think it's important, um, Ian, that, that, that they do start well, that uh, whatever the Australian pack brings, they bring their best early 
and then if they have some lulls, which they have to do, those lulls have got to be controllable and not too bad. And the other thing that we've got to do from a forward pack and the backs, but particularly around breakdowns and others, is not give away penalties. Our, our discipline record is crook. And, and if uh, the All Blacks are on song and they get the penalty count, well, we're in big strife. So, uh, Andrew, if you were a tactician with this current Wallaby squad, how, were, apart from the disciplinary side of it, tidying that side of it, how would you go about, what kind of game plan would you have to counter the All Blacks? Well, the first thing I'd say is I'm not a tactician. <laughs> I'm sort of pleased I'm not. Um, I, I worry about game plans in the sense, in the sense that I think that sometimes if you give people a game plan, they get a bit locked up, uh, particularly if it's a youngish side. They say, oh, gee, I'm not going to do this because I've been told to do that. I, I, I do believe in a bit of free reign. Um, I like to hold on to the ball, but I'm a believer uh, in territory. I mean, uh, if there's space and you're in your 22, use the ball. If there's not space, get yourself some territory and then defend if you have to defend. Um, I don't want to be playing the All Blacks 20 yards out for most of the game. So, to a degree, I'd let them work out their tactics, what they want to play, what they see in front of them. I know it's an old um, call for, for footy things about, you know, play what's in front of you, but I'm a, I remain a firm believer in it. Are you a believer in, uh, firm believer in Eddie Jones? <laughs> He amuses me. I like watching him work. Um, <laughs> he's predictable. <laughs> um, look, yeah, yeah, you know, coaches, they, they take up too much space, you know, when we discuss them. I mean, t to be honest, if the Wallabies, you know, if we had a coaching team of the God, the Father, Son and Holy Ghost, we wouldn't win if we didn't have the cattle and the cattle are the issue. Um, you know, he, he, he keeps people interested. He keeps the media interested. Some of the players will like him, uh, some of the players will hate him, and he doesn't care. So I think it's the not care factor about it. It's so obvious that he's dedicated to winning that that'll rub off. He knows the game. Um, he's a pretty intelligent bloke. Um, but, you know, I prefer to speak about players and coaches most of the time. I did feel sorry for Dave Rennie last, last, or earlier this year. I didn't feel that was particularly well done. I didn't feel getting rid of... Eddie from England was particularly well done. Um, you know, again, I'm a picker and a sticker, and they were picked to do the World Cup, and both countries flicked them. So it's the way it is. Um, you live with it in professional sport now. So uh, the Bledisloe Cup, um, as a trophy these days, does it does it still mean as much? Do you think to uh, Australian rugby players, to Australian rugby fans, as it did? when, uh, you know, you were able to pick it up yourself and drink out of it? Yeah, I, I'm, I've got no doubt it does. Um, and perhaps the reason for that is we haven't had it since the Crusades. I mean, it's been a long time. And, and I think that, that creates enormous interest in itself, even if they called it the, you know, the Bill Jones Cup now, we'd be... So who cares? We haven't done it for 20 years. The, the Bledisloe is a side effect of not having beaten this fantastic all-black side well enough to win it in the best part of a couple of decades. So, so that it's in itself 
enhances the whole mystery. So, so it's a good thing for rugby on the back of what I said earlier. The fact that the Bledisloe is still that magical thing, I think, is very important and does mean a lot. And people who, you know, obviously it's in Melbourne, which is not really a rugby state. I think if you asked a lot of, you know, St Kilda supporters, the rest of them supporters, what the Bledisloe Cup is, they'd know. They'd have a clue. You ask them about the rugby championship, they, they wouldn't be quite so sure. So the short answer is yes, I think it does mean a lot. And so uh, just getting back to the earlier point where you, you are concerned about the, the future as such, um, what about where are they, where are they going to get these young players from? I mean, you know, the, the, the lure of league, the big money at league, um, the other, as you say, the other options to do these days in life, just let alone not sport. Uh, where is the future? Are you confident? I mean, you're a Queensland man and traditionally that's been a pretty strong rugby uh, stronghold. Um, Andrew, I, I just wonder, uh, uh, the longevity, 10 years' time, where do you see rugby in Australia? Well, I'm an optimist, so, so no. I, I think it'll be fine. But, um, you know, optimism needs to have its foundations, I suppose. Look, uh, we need to get better at the, the recruitment and schools now. I went to a school where rugby was played and I was still semi-involved in it. But when I, when I was at school and... As recently as, you know, 20 years ago, that school, you played rugby and you played cricket and, you know, swimming and tennis kind of thing. Well, now the boys can all play AFL, they can all play league, they can all play rugby. So it's it's there and the options are, are open. So I think rugby has got to get better at recruitment, get her, better at offering things to, to young kids. Um, but ultimately, you know, they're, they're going to make their own choices. Um, I, I think in the long term, from an Australian rugby point of view, we've got to start from the Wallabies. We've got to accept that the Wallabies are the team that gets the country together, gets rugby going. And to that end, if a kid has to go overseas and play in Japan or France, well, we've got to open it up and, and get him back. I know there's an argument for domestic, but that's mucking up the super rugby. But I think our key is to get the Wallabies as good as they can be. If we lose a couple of kids to play somewhere else, We've got to make them available for the Wallabies at a certain time, just like it is with the Socceroos here. Um, you know that that encompasses all kinds of arguments and fights from the clubs overseas, people here. That's the ideal that I would go for. Um, outside of that, I have no other solutions. Just finally, uh, mate, I, I just wonder. Uh, obviously, the World Cup is not that far away. In fact, it's coming up very, very quickly on us now. Uh, we perceive uh, from our angle, uh, France and Ireland, uh, the two teams to beat. How, how do you view it? Well, I, I would agree with that, except the way South Africa played against Australia a couple of weeks ago, I thought they were outstanding, supposedly not their best side. And then well, we all saw the half hour, particularly the All Blacks last week, and we know what they can, or a couple of weeks ago, and we know what they can do. So I'm not ruling out those two, but they would be the four favourites. Um, but once you get to the quarters, you know, you only got to win three games. And, and so anybody's in it, but they're, they're the four obvious ones. Australia are lucky with um, our draw. I mean, I think we're a fair chance against Portugal. Um, and of the Northern Hemisphere, um, you know, Wales is probably the one we'd choose to, to have. And we've got them and Fiji and Georgia as well. So, so we'll get to the quarters. We're, we're hopeful. But, but the two teams you mentioned and, and, and chuck in the perennials, the All Blacks and the Springboks, and uh, probably got it covered. Andrew Slack, uh, terrific to catch up with you uh, after uh, a long time, and uh, enjoyed your, uh, your views and your thoughts about uh, Australia uh, rugby in general. Have a, 
Have a terrific day. Enjoy the test match uh, over the weekend, and uh, thanks for your time, Andrew. Yeah, lovely to chat, mate. Thanks a lot.